turn to John 3 and Matthew 7. John chapter 3 and Matthew 7. We're going to continue our series, Happiness Redefined. And um, I just want to tell you, this is going to be a little different message. Uh, When I got to this beatitude, and of course I'm going to read it to you because I told you to go to John 3 and Matthew 7, and the beatitudes are in Matthew 5, so I'm just going to read it to you. But when I read this beatitude uh, this week, immediately I knew what the Holy Spirit wanted me to preach this weekend. Immediately. And He just began to lay it out for me. So let me read this beatitude and then talk to you about it, and then we're going to get to John chapter 3, all right? Matthew 5, verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Now remember the word blessed means happy. If you're coming into this series and haven't been here for a while, that's why we call it happiness redefined. Happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now let me read you what this Greek word for pure means. It means free from any impure mixture totally and completely without any spot or blemish, completely blameless, completely innocent, one who has been entirely cleansed from sin. Now, when I read that this week, that definition, that's when I knew what the Holy Spirit wanted me to share on. Completely innocent, spotless, blameless, pure in heart. Here was my first thought. How in the world could I ever get there? And then immediately I knew. Remember the Beatitudes are how you get into the kingdom and how you live successfully once you're in the kingdom. And we've been talking a lot about how you live successfully once you're in the kingdom. But I am so excited because we're going to take one message in this series As far as I know, I know we've got a few more, and we're going to talk about how to get in the kingdom. Because let me explain something to you. Blessed are the pure in heart, the completely spotless, blameless, cleansed from every sin. Let me tell you something. The only way that I could ever get there would be grace. Is that right? I can't be pure in heart. Without the grace of God, without a miracle. Here's what I thought when I read that definition this week. I thought, that would take a miracle. And then I remembered, 27 years ago, in a motel room, God did a miracle in my heart. And I I love Gateway Church. Not because I'm the pastor, but because of what God's doing here. I love the church. But one of the great things to me about Gateway Church is that you can come here even if you're just searching for God. And we have a lot of people that grew up in church and got away from God, and maybe they have children now, or they've gone through some difficulties, life is hard, maybe their children, even even with some, their children are grown, and they're beginning to see not raising their children in church what happened, and, and they get this hunger for God, And we have people that come here for months before they ever actually get saved. And I love that. And we have people that have not been raised in church, maybe attended a few times, 
But again, they get this seeking in their heart for God, and they come here, and they, they like what they hear, they like the worship, they like the, the Word, it's beginning to feed them, and then they get saved. Every now and then, about every year or two, I, I preach a message on true salvation, and a lot of people get saved. Now, here's what I, here's what I want to say to you. There are many of you here that think you're saved, but you're not. And I'm not condemning you. I was in that boat. If you think about it, if the devil could do anything at all, if he had a primary objective, it would be to tell people who aren't saved that they are. And that everything's okay, and, and you're going to make it in the end. Well, I, 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 listen, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. It shows you're searching for God. It shows you're seeking for God. But there are many of you here that have never truly had a born-again experience. It's like you've just kind of slide, trying to slide in, and you, you don't know. You believe in God. You say, well, isn't that enough? Well, the devil believes. Probably more than you. He's never had a doubt. So, turn to John chapter 3. Um, oh, you're already there, right? Okay. i got to turn. Uh, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see God. Now, we're going to read in just a moment verse 1, but look at verse 36, the way the chapter ends. John three thirty-six. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. Same word as in Matthew 5. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. All right. John 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, it's very important, by the way, what this Pharisee said, Rabbi... We know that you are a teacher come from God. That's incredible that a Pharisee would say that to Jesus. For no one can do these signs. That's another thing that's incredible for him to say, because that's how you recognize a true prophet. No one can do these signs unless God is with him. Another thing that's amazing for him to say, that he understood God was with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see. There it is again. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If you're not born again, you can't see God. You can't see the kingdom. You can't even get a glimpse of it. Nicodemus said, well, how can a man be born when he's old? It's a pretty good question, really. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Here's point number one. You must be born again. You must be. It does not say you should be, or you might be, or you ought to be, or some religions. It does, Jesus didn't say some religions in the future will emphasize this as an experience. And if you're a member of those religions, then you should have this experience. He said... 
Marvel not. Don't, don't be so surprised, Nicodemus. You must be born again. If you're not born again, you will not be able to see God, even catch a glimpse of Him. You're not going to be able to enter the kingdom. And that which is born of water, and you must be born of water and spirit. That's not talking about water baptism. The whole conversation is born naturally and born spiritually. He said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter second time into his mother's womb? That womb is a womb of water. Jesus said you've got to be born of water, you've got to be born naturally, and you've got to be born of the Spirit. And then we, he emphasizes again that it's not done about water baptism, because he says in the next verse, that which is born of flesh is flesh. Naturally is natural. That which is born natural is natural. That which is born spiritually is spirit. Every one of you here have been born naturally. Yet be born of spirit. You must be born again. Now, let me tell you something about Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee, and I know that today the Pharisees have a bad rap with us. But these were the most conservative theologians of the day. They fought for the inerrancy and the inspiration of the Scriptures. They said that you should follow the Bible and live by the Bible. They believed and practiced the Bible, the Scriptures that they had at that time. They um, tithed. They gave 10% of their income to the kingdom. They fasted. They prayed. They went to church. They not only read the Bible, they memorized the Bible. In order to be a Pharisee, you had to memorize the first five books of the Old Testament. Now, I know that doesn't impress you because you did that a long time ago. And it's not that difficult to memorize Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Here's what's amazing. They went to church, prayed, fasted, tithed, memorized Scripture, believed in God. And which God did they believe in? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Is He the the one true God? Sure. So they believed in God. But here's the other thing I want you to say about Nicodemus. I think he believed in Jesus. Because he said to him, I, I recognize the signs that you do. I believe you came from God. I believe you're who you said you are. Now, here's what's amazing. Jesus said to a man who went to church, went to church, prayed, fasted, tithed, memorized the Bible, believed in God, and believed in Jesus. You're going to go to hell if you're not born again. You're not going to go to heaven. You have to have this experience. Can can I ask you something? What are you basing eternity on? What are you basing it on? Are you basing it on that you attend church? Because I hope you're, you're not, because that's not what the Bible says. Are you basing all eternity on that you're, you try to be good? Are you basing all eternity on that you've read the Bible or you've prayed? Is that what you're basing eternity on? Let me tell you what you're basing it on. You're basing eternity on your decision to be born again. If you're born again, you go to heaven. That's what Jesus said. So, what's amazing to me is that people, all heaven is based on this, and people are confused about their born again experience. They don't know when it happened. They don't know if it happened. Matter of fact, I've asked people before when it happened, and they've given me different dates for it. I'm not sure. 
And you're basing eternity on you're not sure. Why not get sure today? <laughs> the most important decision of your life. Why not get sure about it? So, number one, you must be born again. Number two, many people have never been born again. Now, flip over to Matthew 7. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes are the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. Many people have never been born again. Look at Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many, do you see the word many? There are many who go in by it. This is the broad way to destruction. Narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, look at me just for a moment. I'm going to ask you a very simple question. Many are on the broad road going to destruction. Few are on the narrow road going to life. Would destruction, would the word destruction represent heaven or hell? Okay. See, I know it's an easy question. Would life represent heaven or hell? Heaven, right? Okay. So, many are going to hell. Few are going to heaven. So I know that bothers you when I say it. But you just told me that destruction wouldn't represent heaven. And let me ask you another question. I know this is a simple one, but we need to ask this. Is many more or less than few? Excuse me? More people are going to hell. But how many funerals have you been to where the preacher said, You know where he is, don't you? Hell. Every funeral we go to, no matter how the guy lived, no matter what he believed, it seems like they all get there. It's a good thing Jesus isn't preaching funerals. Many, many. Look at verse 15. Beware of false prophets. Why would he put that in when he's talking about true salvation? Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Now he's talking about true salvation. He says you'll know people by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Now watch verse 17. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. How many good trees bear good fruit? Every one of them. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Would the fire represent heaven or hell? <laughs> How many trees that don't bear good fruit are going to go to hell? Every one of them. Therefore, by their... Now listen to me. You say, well, pastor, I've tried. I've tried to do the right thing. That's what I'm telling you. It takes a miracle. And it's easy to get the miracle. You just ask for it. You've got to give up your rights. You've got to say, no longer will I run my life. From now on, you can run my life. I will do anything you tell me to do. Go anywhere you want me to go. And that's why so many people aren't saved, because they won't give up ownership of their life. And some of you here... I'm not talking down to you. I'm telling you the truth. Some of you here are going to go to hell. 
because you want to run your life. So I believe in Jesus. Believe all you want. Let me tell you the difference between the devil, why the devil's going to go to hell instead of heaven. He believes in Jesus, but he wants to run his own life. That's the difference. If you're here and you want to run your own life, you're going to go to hell with the devil. If you're here and you'll let Jesus run your life, you're going to go to heaven. Verse 20, therefore, by their fruits, you'll know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, we could put our tenth church, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. is the only way to, one way to do the will of God. That's through grace. That's it. You can't do it on your own. Verse 22, here's that word again. Many, many, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Now watch what they say. Have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders or miracles in your name? And then I will declare to them, thank you. It's not what he said. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, by the way, these are not people... There's a doctrine going around that this is Matthew 7. These are people who've lost their salvation. No, no. Jesus made it clear. I never knew you. He didn't say I knew you, but I don't anymore. He said we never met. Now, I have a question for you. If many people, if many people who are actively engaged in the work of God, these people weren't, they didn't say, Lord, Lord, didn't we usher for you? They said, didn't we prophesy, cast out demons, and do miracles in your name? Okay, here's the question. If many people actively engaged in the work of God are not saved, how many more just attend church? And how many more just attended Easter? Many people are on the wide road. That leads to destruction. Few are on the narrow road that leads to life. You want to know why? Because only a few people will let Jesus be Lord. They still want to run their lives. So many people have never truly been born again. I walked the aisle so many times growing up and never got saved. Because I wasn't going to give up the right to run my life. But I wanted to go to heaven. And I'd walk the aisle, I walked the aisle, went down three times one week in the Billy Graham crusade. <laughs> that should have done it. I can remember praying in church this prayer many times. God, if I'm not saved, save me. You ever prayed that prayer? Guess what? It doesn't work. You know why I know it doesn't work? I can tell you one simple reason it doesn't work. Because you prayed it more than once. If it works, you don't have to pray it once. And here's the reason it doesn't work. You don't come to a holy God and say, if I'm not saved, save me. Let me say it another way. God, if I am a sinner, then save me. If I do need you, then save me. But if I don't, don't worry about it. Now, you come to God and admit you're a sinner. And admit you have to have him and give him control of your life. So many people have never been born again. Number three, birth is radical change. You must be born again. Birth is radical change. 
I had this, the, the testimony before I got saved. You know, I was saved when I was eight. That's what I used to say. I was saved when I was eight, but I didn't understand everything, and I got involved in drugs, and, and uh, I've rededicated my life, and everything's fine. Everything wasn't fine, though, because I kept going back. I rededicated so many times, and nothing ever changed until I was 19, until I finally got saved, until I finally gave Jesus control of my life. That's when the change came. But I'd hear these testimonies. You know, I got saved when I was a child, but I went off to college, or I went off to the war, and I lived like the devil, and da-da-da. Now I've rededicated my life, and everything's fine. I, I, and I think, what, what in the world? And some people, or some people would say something like this. You know, I got saved as a child, but I didn't really grow, and I didn't read my Bible, and I didn't, you know. Right there, right there is, is, is the wrong premise. You put the, the, the um, responsibility for change on you. You know, I got saved when I was young, but I didn't really change because I didn't read my Bible and I didn't pray and I didn't do this. Let me explain something to you. God changes you. And I understand we grow. I understand we cooperate with God. But I'm telling you, in that motel room, my heart got changed. And it had never been changed before then. I had a miracle. It's the miracle of being reborn, born again. But I hear all these testimonies. I got saved when I was eight, and I didn't really change, and I didn't grow. And then when I was 25 or 20 or 40 or whatever, I got serious with God. And I said, God, I can't live this way anymore, and I'm going to live for you all the way. And I, gave, and I just said, God, I just give you everything. I just give you everything. And here's what people say. That's when my life changed. And, and many of them, it really did change at that moment. But I, I, I remember thinking, how in the world could all these people get saved as kids, and then, but the change doesn't come until later? And then I'm reading the Word one day, just reading through the Bible, and I saw this verse. Let me read it to you. Hosea 9:11. As for Ephraim, that's a representation of the church, their glory shall fly away like a bird. And then, in essence, he's saying, and when this happens, there'll be no birth, no pregnancy, and no conception. Now, Jesus is the one that likened being born again or being saved to birth. But here was the first time I ever saw something in the Word. He said, no birth, but also no pregnancy and no conception. In other words, before there's natural birth, there's pregnancy and there's conception. Would you agree? And there's a process. Is there pregnancy and conception before people get saved? Because Jesus said it's like being born. All these testimonies, think about these testimonies. I got saved when I was eight. I didn't change. I did, 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 and I lived like the devil. And I was miserable. I was miserable. And then I gave my life to God completely, and that's when the change came. Okay. Is it possible that when you were eight, there was a seed conceived in you? But you weren't born again. And now... You know, then you went through this phrase where you were miserable. Let me, let me ask the experts here. There's only half of you who are experts. Is pregnancy, in some ways, is it miserable? <laughs> I know there's joy coming, but parts of it are miserable, right? Okay. And then birth comes. Now, here's what I'm saying. Some of you have got, got really have been born again, but it happened after you think it did. And some of you haven't had that experience yet. Because you've never given everything to God. And you know what? You're miserable. In the natural, people have said this to me. But, Pastor, I've grown. I've changed. Okay, let me ask you something. In the natural, does a baby grow before the baby's born? Come on, this is not a hard question. (laughs) 
is their growth in the womb. Uh huh. There's a lot of people. This is why I commend you. I'm glad you're here. But some of you are trying really hard to live the Christian life. And here's what I'm trying to tell you. You can quit trying, just give up, and let God do it through you. That's what being born again is. I can't do it. I tried. I can't do it. And I give you control of my life from this day forward. Birth is radical change. And here's number four. How can I know if I've been born again? How can I know if I've been born again? Well, in some ways, it's like being married. If you said to me, Robert, are you married? And I went, I think I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have to say yeah, I'm married. What would you think? <laughs> okay, listen to me. I've asked people, have you truly been born again? And this is what they do. Well, yeah, yeah, I'd say yeah. Okay. Listen respectfully, I'm thinking. I'm thinking, you're, you're not born again. Because, see, it, it's, it's a change. It's radical change. It's, again, like marriage. <laughs> Someone comes to live with you. <laughs> Your life's never going to be the same. Now, I've had people ask me before, Pastor, do you, have to, do you have to remember the date, you know? No, you don't have to remember the date. You might forget the date you were married once. <laughs> you probably won't forget it twice, but but you never forget the event. You never forget that your life changed from that point on, and someone's been living with you since then. You understand? Okay, here's another one. If you said to me, Pastor Robert, when did you get married? What if I said this? Well, that's always been a tough one for me. It could have been when I was eight, or maybe when I was 15, or 23. I would say eight or 23. Eight or 23. What would you think? I've asked people, come on, listen to me. Are you following me? I've asked people, when were you saved? This is what they say. Well, that's always been a tough one for me. Could have been when I was eight, or could have been when I was 23. You're basing all eternity on this. That's why I'm saying to you, why not just do it today? Why not just, just settle it today? Lord, I receive you as my Lord and Savior from this day forward. You're in charge of my life. I receive you. You, you understand what I'm saying? Now, let me give you one more illustration. This lady said to me last week, she said, I got saved when years ago, I, I've done this illustration for years. She told me last week, she said, I got saved when, when you did that illustration. And this week when I was praying, I just knew immediately the Holy Spirit wanted me to go down this route. Okay. Every one of us are born going to hell. Every one of us. We're born going the wrong way. You don't have to teach your children to be bad. It comes naturally for them. Right? So we're all, this is that 
That's hell where y'all are sitting, right over there. That's, that's hell. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Every one of us are born going the wrong way. Before I got saved, I tried to do the right thing. My parents took me to church growing up, and I would put pressure on myself. Oh, oh, I got to do the right thing. I got to do the right thing. I got to do it. Oh, 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 oh. And if I ever let off the pressure, boing, I just went right back to doing the wrong thing. Anyone relate to this? And one, in, the, in the motel room, I said to God, I can't do the right thing. I have been trying to do the right thing. I can't do the right thing. Would you come into my life and change me? And God reached down from heaven in my heart and went, flip. Just like that. Just like that. Happy are the pure in heart. They shall see God. I couldn't change my heart. God did. Now I'm going to heaven. That's heaven. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Don't let it go. Now as a Christian, I want to do the right thing. I don't want to do drugs anymore. I don't want to be immoral anymore. I wanted to before I got saved. I don't want to now. I want to do the right thing. But you know what I found out? If I put pressure on myself... I can live in sin as a believer, but I have to put pressure on myself to do it. I have to put pressure on myself not to forgive people. And it's miserable, too. You ever been there? No, I'm not. No, no, I am not. I am not. I'm not. She shouldn't have said that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Boing. Okay. I forgive her. Okay, here's what I'm asking you. When did this happen? When, 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 did, that, when did you stop going your way and start going God's way? When? Was it when you were eight? Was it when you were 25? Has it ever happened? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.